On the docket today, what the heck are love languages, and can we use them in the office? Don't worry, this episode will not get you sent to HR. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. That's my intro. I was the yeah, topic. Perfect. The perfect. I, <laughs> the the HR I, comment is is perfect. <laughs> so here right, we this go. Is, this is what I wanted to get on recording. Okay. Oh, getting a beer yeah, going. Doesn't that sound nice? It does. What are you drinking? I am drinking one of the beers I got at my bachelor party. So this is going on like a month and change now, but it is Julius by Treehouse. So yeah, really good. You know, we never talked about the uh, the bachelor party. How'd that go? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I yeah. survived. I'm still here talking to you. So that's got to be worth something. Like giant hangover the next day? No. We. So it was funny. Have you ever had liquid IV? No, it's 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 a drink. It's a Gatorade mix. It's designed to be the equivalent of like four bottles of water in one like packet thing. So we were oh, just, it's like pre-workout for a hangover. Well, we were doing it pre and post-workout. Nice. Yeah, I see. And Andy does pre-workout <laughs> worked, before nice. getting ripped. You're you're trying to fight off a hangover before it happens. You guys have a very different mindset. Both good for preparation. Very different outcomes. <laughs> yeah, there's two different types of people. Yeah. So a bachelor party is before a marriage, marriage being all about love, and that's going to tie directly into today's conversation. So I'm going to take that as a good segue into today's episode. Well done. How do you convey to the people in your life that you appreciate them? There's no shortage of ways to express gratitude, but then again, having options isn't really the problem. The problem is finding the right one. If two people show appreciation in different ways, they could bend over backwards trying to express gratitude to each other without even the other realizing it. Almost like they're speaking two different languages. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Whether you're looking to improve on your personal or professional relationships, this episode has you covered. So today's episode, again, is all about relationships. Are you ready to get personal, John? Hell yeah. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Actually, now that I think about it, why didn't we do this in February? This would have been a good one for February. If we planned better, this would have been a Valentine's Day episode. Well, this one totally came as a result. And real quick, am I spoiling your lead if I if I do the comment for the episode? Okay. No, go, well, go, go. Please go for it. This one stems as a result from a conversation we had back in, what was it, three weeks ago? Uh, the real cost of people pleasing, right? I, I, did, I never remember, and we need to start writing these things down. I, I'm pretty confident that's what it was because we were talking about how do you express gratitude and you know to a coworker or something like that, and we fell down the rabbit hole of how do you, you know, are there love languages for the office? And I think that's how this one came. That was the impetus of this episode. So to your point, if we planned better, yeah, this would have been in February. Maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> to plan it again. That's Yeah, it was a throwaway comment when we first talked about it. And that's about as much planning as we do, folks, when it comes to thinking about topics for the show. 
Random throwaway comments. It's called thinking on your feet. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing. So let's go into love languages a little bit, and I'll give some background here. Uh, 1992 rolls around. guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. As the title implies, Chapman claims there's essentially five ways that we can tell people in our lives that we love them. Uh, I'm going to go through the five. I think they're largely self-explanatory. Giving words of affirmation, a.k.a. compliments. Spending quality time together. Giving gifts. Taking on acts of service. And sharing physical touch. So, however you're showing gratitude, it's likely, or or showing love, it's likely going to be a combination of those five things. I'm already bourbon from this beer, too. So, this is going to be a... I'm still coughing a lot, too. I, I have this persistent cough for, like... Three weeks. I don't know. Long COVID or dying something. I don't know. A little bit of both. Yeah. Tell my wife I love her with one of the five languages. With one of the five. Don't perks. don't physically touch my wife though. Keep that one aside. But <laughs> we'll just express our gratitude in burps. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. That's that's how we do it. That's how we do it on this show. Hey babe. Yeah. Burp. <laughs> that's that's oh, how you yeah. show love. That's that's year five of the marriage. That's, that's what that's you how, get. That's how it works in this household. What we're going to do, there's a few quizzes online that you can use to figure out your love languages. So I thought it'd be fun if John and I took one so we could get all lovey-dovey together. But first, highly recommend anybody listening to the show, pause it and go online and find one of these quizzes and figure out what your languages are. I think they're only like five minutes to do these. It's not a lot of time. Kind of uh, play at home, play at home game. Let's all figure out what ours are. So I thought for a second there when you said it only takes about five minutes to do, I thought you were about to say, well, there's only five languages. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no, duh. (laughs) So, John, do you want to get started with, I'm going to say, what's your top two? Well, let me ask you this. Are your top two like 50% or so, or how how evenly spread are you? So I'm not, so my, my, they broke it out. They gave me percentages for all five. And my last one, which I'll be honest with you, I, I meant to take a screenshot and I did not of the results. The last one was like 1%. So we're not even going to go there. I think uh, the top two is right. It's about 40% and 30%. And it is words of affirmation and acts of service. Okay, see, I was a near 30-30 split among my top two, which is quality time and acts of service. So we are so all right. So just so we all understand, and and because maybe I misunderstood the assignment, or maybe somebody else will. When I took this quiz, is this re- giving me the results of what I do or what I like to receive? Yeah. So and, and this is what I think a lot of people maybe get wrong, and not just related to the quiz, but relationships in general. So this is saying that. Uh, for me, again, I'm, I'm about a 30-30 split, quality time, and acts of service. I'm actually a 0% for gifts. Yeah, gifts was the last one for me, and that was the 1%, yeah. Yeah, so what that means is for me, if somebody's going to express they love me or have gratitude towards me, the best ways for them to do it is by spending quality time with me or by committing some acts of service. Gotcha. Now, that yeah, and that's the catch, though, because... If I'm blissfully unaware of the whole concept of love languages, those are still going to apply. They're just innate to me. But I'm also going to think, well, this is what I want. Clearly, it's what everybody else wants, too. Now, my spouse, 
she might be uh, a combination of, let's just say, physical touch uh, and uh, words of affirmation. So two, two that I'm not, she is. Well, if I'm trying to express that I love her using my love languages, she's going to be completely deaf to them because they're not hers. And that's the idea here. It's not to take this quiz for us. It's to take the quiz for somebody else. And that's a good distinction to make because I'm guessing in order for somebody, if they really want to dive into love languages and really using them to their advantage or their benefit, it's probably most beneficial for you and your partner to take this quiz so you understand what the other is seeking. Is that is that fair? Is that what the doctor would recommend? Yeah, I think that's spot on. The whole idea here is it's it's not about us; it's about them. So if you can take this quiz, and again, it's five, it's five minutes of your time. Sit down with your significant other, take this quiz together. Ideally, you'll speak the exact same languages. But then again, if you did, you probably already know this about each other. But if you take the quiz and you find out that wow, I have some diametrically opposed love languages compared to you. That's definitely something to work on because very likely that significant other might not feel appreciated even if you're pouring your heart out in your own love language. They don't even see it. Well, I guess in the spirit of being personal and sharing some of my experience, I guess, with maybe my love language not being 100% on point with Rachel's, we've had you know open dialogue and conversations around how we both work best and for me i need a list of chores and responsibilities things that she wants me to do while she's out otherwise left to my own devices i will probably just slack off be lazy forget about things like the dishes but i'm assuming if she were to take this quiz and you know maybe maybe i will have her take the quiz one of the things that she would probably like is maybe i guess Acts of service. Is there another one for like chores or, or, or surprises or something like that? Basically, I like to do chores for her, but I'm not going to do, do them on my own initiative, I guess. The thing to keep in mind, if she has to give you a chore list, if you do it, that's great, but it, it kind of misses the point a little bit. As a throwaway example, let's just say Rachel knows she has to work late, and that's even before she has to go and pick up some dry cleaning, too. So she's got a long day ahead of her. You picking it up without being asked, well, that's showing her that you're thinking about her and you know what she has going on. You're in tune, essentially, with what she needs without her having to say it. That's very different than just doing things on a chore list, because at that point, you're really just checking things off of a list. It's not so much a thought process. And I think there's a distinction I want to draw there. To your point, being in tune with somebody else's needs, I would know if she was having a rough day or, or things were not going great and she's coming home from the office. I would do I would take that initiative and do some of those chores. I guess the difference or the example I gave there would be on a Saturday and she's out, you know, running, you know, errands with her mom or getting her hair done or something and I'm just, you know, watching sports on the couch. I think there's a fine line and a fine distinction to draw there. So I don't want it to make it sound like I'm a complete slug on the couch every single day <laughs> of my life. But let's continue the example where she's out on the town doing chores, right? Let's say she's food shopping. One way to show her you're in tune what she needs is to say, hey, while she's out food shopping, let me go ahead and just clean out the fridge to make some room for the stuff she's bringing back. And when she does get back, let's make sure I unload the groceries because she took the effort to go and get them all the way here. Let me just take that last mile off her plate. And these are small things, right? They're not monumental efforts on your part, but they don't need to be. They're one of 
hopefully many small ways that you're showing you're in touch with what she has going on and you want to support her. Does that make sense? Yeah, and you're you're 100% right and I I'm not disagreeing with your point. For me that example is tough to use cuz I'm the one who does the grocery shopping. So, but I think that's you flip it around. I like doing that. I like being the one to wear. Say Rachel clean the damn fridge. Well, that nah. <laughs> she did actually just recently funny enough. Um, but I like being the one to go out and run those errands for her. I know when she's super busy at work, and I know if I have over lunch, I can run to Target, which is 10 minutes away. I like being the one to do that, sure. I'm not being told to do that. I'm volunteering that. So I could see why I fall within acts of service because that's where I do like to say, let me do this for you. Let me take this off your plate. So as much as I am (laughs) the quintessential guy on the weekend who it's like, hey, I mowed the lawn and I'm sitting around and doing nothing for the rest of the day. I also do like to be the one to run the errands, to run the chores, you know, like, you know, out on the town, I guess, you know, getting, picking up that hoagie tray or so. I don't know. Bad example, but. Well, that weekend chilling on the couch thing dovetails nicely into another of these love languages, my other top language, uh, spending quality time. Again, these don't have to be big monumental gestures. Being lazy on the weekend works if you're lazy together, right? Quality time doesn't have to be hot air balloon rides in Tuscany that end in a vineyard tour when you land. Agreed. Uh, Sometimes spending quality time, even if it's just on the couch, it's the effort of trying to spend that time together that's what's important. And it's funny because for some people that is a conscious decision to say, let's spend time together on the couch or let's do this this weekend. I don't know about you, but our relationship is very much like that's kind of assumed unless we say otherwise. Like, yeah, we're going to go run errands, but then we're coming back and hanging on the couch. So I, I'm curious what what um, you and your wife do. Like, is, is that kind of the same? It's I'm sure it's different with kids, too, right? Oh, well, kids. like, <laughs> Yeah, right. That's the thing about kids. They own pretty much all of your time, uh, which is one, I think, one part of what makes quality time, I guess, hard conceptually. But there's another thing that I think makes it more deceptively hard, which is kind of figuring out what really even counts as quality time to begin with. So let's look at just our, our current working arrangements, me and my wife. She and I both work from home right now. We're ostensibly spending 100% of our time together. We're both in the same house all day, but we're both working, right? So even if we're incidentally seeing each other around the house, maybe we're both in the kitchen around noon, it's time together. It's not quality time together. And I think really the older you are, the more you're adulting, the more you have to actually make an effort to to spend real time together than you know when you're younger and you have less responsibilities maybe i don't know yeah no i'm 100 fair yeah now let me ask you this were there any things in your results that were surprises for you it was one for me but uh anything for you that was either lower or higher than you anticipated well like i said i had two that were pretty high up there and then everything else kind of just like fizzled its way out so it was i guess kind of like a bell curve on the bottom end there yeah um so i don't think there was anything that was particularly surprising to me um quality time was number three for me and i want to say that was in the ballpark of like once we got down to the bottom there it was like you know 15 percent or something like that which might be a little surprising to me and i think some of the questions that we answered felt like a little uh, i don't know if uh, very much dealt in 
absolutes, I yeah. guess. Like to me, there's a lot of gray area that I I don't think you can answer with like two questions at a time. Again, it's a five minute quiz. Can't get two in the weeds. I'm, I'm sure there's like 100 percent. Yeah. But I would have liked to maybe uh, uh, somewhat agree, strongly agree, somewhat disagree. But again, uh, you know, however they calculate it, I'm sure it's easier just to keep it to a scale of one and one. Right. I'm sure there's probably more in-depth paid quizzes that maybe delve into details a bit more, but no, I totally get where you're coming from. What surprised me was my number three, which is words of affirmation. Anyone who's listened to this show ever knows how I, I like being externally validated. I like being told, hey, I did a good job. Before I took the quiz, I would have thought it would have been at least in my top two, if not my first place language, but it scored 23% for me. So that was a bit surprising for me. That was number one for me. I, I guess I'm surprised physical touch wasn't up there because I, I love to, you know, hug and, and, and cuddle and things like that. So surprised it wasn't up there, but I, I get hot. I'm a bigger guy, so I get hot pretty <laughs> easy. <laughs> I run hot. No, I, here's the, I, I don't know. I'm going to play pop psychology for a second. If I had to guess, it was, it was number four for me. If I had to guess, and it's, I think it was part of the way at least the quiz I took was worded. It's what's more meaningful. And I think that word choice more than anything else probably guided me or informed my choices in the sense that deeper meaning i feel like a lot of a lot of the the physical touch isn't necessarily a deep meaning it's hey i like to have a hug when i'm feeling bad or you know obviously everybody loves a little nookie time but it's not necessarily like a deep <laughs> meaning you like nookie time yeah what are we on the newlywed game uh i don't know but do you know what i mean though does it make sense like i like physical touch but as far as ascribing deeper meaning or really conveying somebody cares for me. Like, touch is touch, but like we talked about, spending time together. Look, it's easy to give a hug. It, it, it can be, again, in the adulting sense, very hard to make quality time for someone. Or the depth of thought to spontaneously commit an act of service for someone because you're so in tune. That feels deeper to me, both of those languages, than just a hug. So maybe it's just the way the questions were worded that is making the difference for me and how I interpreted things. Yeah, and I guess that's where I was struggling with picking one or the other. Sometimes the two things that they were giving me, I, I didn't feel like were mutually exclusive. Right, yeah. And that's where I, I struggled to, and I guess maybe to your point, I, I maybe I should have taken another step back and considered how, how does that convey love to me? And maybe I was just thinking, what do I like more? And that's something maybe I need to reconsider my perspective. Now, did Rachel also take the quiz? No, and I think she should, and and I think that would probably be a fun exercise. I would be, I mean, honestly, just for your relationship, it's probably a good idea, right? You guys are about to get married, about to spend your lives together. Probably good for you to both know how the other expresses love and how they want love expressed to them, right? Because what if her languages end up being like a 180 of yours? You want to know so you can properly convey to her that you love her in a way that she can actually interpret it. Is it bad? I'd rather be in the dark, and that way I can be like, "Well, I didn't know." <laughs> <laughs> Is that too terrible. much hedging my bets? Terrible, John. I don't actually mean that. If Rachel's <laughs> listening, I don't actually mean that. <laughs> listening to the podcast, love language. That's how she expresses she loves you. She puts up with listening to you for a half hour every week when she doesn't have to. Yep. So the last thing we'll reiterate on this side of the break, if you took the quiz or are interested in it, 
Keep in mind, the results are about you and not for you to learn from. So please do try this out with your significant other. Great learning experience for your relationship. Now on the other side of the break, let's see if we can apply these languages to our office relationships as well. Thanks, you're in the break right now. You're taking that quiz. Great job. We linked it in the description, so you should be able to find it. Didn't we say we were going to do, like, sexy voices or something? Oh, right, we did. We did. Hey. It's so weird, because we, we should have gotten that in the first half, because now we're talking about our coworkers, and it gets significantly weird. Yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing it in the in the second half. No. Maybe, maybe this is the fade out as we're leading into it. Yeah. Folks, if you're hearing that, that means Brian kept it in. <sighs> Dear Lord. So let's go through this list again. First time we dealt with our personal lives. Now let's try it on for size in our work lives. And I'm going to start with the one that I cannot imagine could ever actually apply, at least without getting sued for sexual harassment. (laughs) And that is physical touch. So actually, you know what uh, else we said we were going to do here? Um, Let's come at this with music, like the opposite of the special music we use in Rage Quit episodes, like love episode music. I'll see if I got any time. Maybe I can put something together. Maybe I can put something together real quick because I'm thinking, all right, there's one of two angles we can go. We can go like almost like I'm thinking similar to the outro music, like kind of islandy, sexy. But then you could also go like R&B, like porno music. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't, I don't we'll know. See Let's talk about each of these languages and we'll try to get some sexy music going on to go along with it. Start with physical touch. John's doing a great job on this project. I want to show him that I care. Walk up behind him, tickle the nape of his neck, and say, buddy, I gotcha. <laughs> How's that? Do you, do you feel appreciated in the, the office voice, now? The the tone, everything. It's, it's such... <laughs> little nape tickling? <laughs> you like, you like I, it? I you wish like you had that a... nape tickling? There might be there might be an incentive to to put a video component to this pod just so you could have seen my face because that was unbelievable. Listeners, I wish you could have seen it. I'm getting a little excited. I'm gonna heat you up. You say you're running hot. I'm running a bit hot too now. Look at that. Physical touch would be the way to but really yeah. set this party off. Yeah. Long story short, I don't think there's a way on God's green earth that physical touch is going. You counter counter me on this. Is there any way that physical touch is going to factor into the office? Yeah, I think I think I do have. Oh one. God! Wow, go for it. Like a fist bump or something. Okay, there you go. Like a fist bump. That should count. Yeah. So I think there is. All right. Okay. So you found one. Yeah. I think there is room for that for certain groups within the office. I mean, if it's a teammate and it's like, hey, good job. I think the fist bump has been acknowledged as the most germ efficient um, way to, you know, greet somebody. There's lots of folks who do that in place of handshakes. So, yeah, I think it could work. So next on the list is one I think is technically easy to do, but how well it really works depends on who's doing it and how they're really carrying it out. And that's receiving gifts. And let me come at this from two angles to kind of show what I mean. 
All right, so in the first scenario, let's say I'm working with a coworker, same level as me, maybe same title. In any event, not someone who reports to me or vice versa. Project finishes up and I say, hey, we really knocked this one out of the park. Drinks on me at happy hour. Or, uh, hey, thanks for spending your lunch hour helping me with this or that. I'll order us both some food while we work. I would say that would count in this category, right? Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. And depending on the type of organization you come from, there's certain like coworker shout out programs and things like that. I, I'm almost going to consider them, if you're familiar with the office, like Shroot Bucks a little bit to where. It's oh, like, God. Right. But there's certain organizations that as part of their uh, Stanley Nichols and Shroot yeah, Bucks. Right. You can even give somebody like reward points or something that you accrue enough of them. You can redeem them for certain things. Now, I think that. Oftentimes it is limited to certain roles as far as like a superior has to give them to you. But I, I know that there's always ways to give kudos. And I think maybe does that fall into gifts slightly differently than maybe words of affirmation because it's it's a more public display that you can actually redeem for rewards. Yes, but I'll, I'll hit on something that I think could make it weird, which goes with the other kind of aspect of this one for me. It's one thing for me to buy a coworker a beer. I think where it falls apart very easily is when it's a potential company leader doing it. And less individually, more as a group thing. And I'll give you an example of that. You keep hearing lately about people complaining about their working conditions. You know, companies are short-staffed, so fewer people have to do more with less. Pay isn't keeping up with inflation, meaning you technically take a pay cut every year that you don't make a cost-of-living adjustment, so on and so forth. Then you hear the tone-deaf responses from management. What do they do? Not raise wages and not hire more people. They throw a pizza party where we all get two slices of plain cheese pizza. That will fall flat 100% of the time, yes. Not even falling flat. You're taking people and making them more upset than if you just did nothing. <laughs> yeah. So giving gifts, I think it can work really well at a pure level as an individual thing, but I'd caution against using it as any kind of a managerial band-aid. Well, let me pose this question to you. Let's just say that you've been doing really well on a certain project and you're direct boss. So we're not talking upper management. We're talking somebody that you interact with every day. How would you respond to them saying like giving somebody an Amazon gift card with a note that says, you know, thanks for your hard work, something like that. Uh, does that fall within? No, your... I like that. Yeah. Right. I think that feels good. Well, here, let's put it this way. All right, here's a rule of thumb. Buying someone a gift that you couldn't write their name on because you never bothered to learn it from your corner office, that's a line. Uh, or don't buy something for anyone that in some way is not somehow commensurate with the occasion you're buying it to remark on. Like, hey, thanks for carrying the workload of three people. Here's a coffee mug with the company logo on it. That's a line, too. Not going to go as yeah, far. Bingo. Right? Bingo. There you go. I, I think now yeah. I feel good about the, <laughs> the distinction we've drawn. So, Brian, I think I teased it a little bit in the question I proposed to you um, in terms of the public display of giving kudos to somebody on some type of portal. Um, there are certain instances where it's redeemed or you can reward those points for a gift. And I feel like that's slightly different than actual words of affirmation. Right. So that would be the next love language. And I know that that's one of my love languages. So ultimately giving somebody kudos. 
Well, since this is one of your love languages, I'd like you to run through it, and I want to hear it in a sexy voice, and I'll put some music behind it. <laughs> give me give me a little skit. Give me excited. Okay, okay, a little skit. There we go. That's what I need. So I noticed you've been putting in a lot of time uh, really dedicating yourself to the client lately, Brian, and really happy with all the extra effort you've been putting in, and I just want to let you know that we're just really proud of all the work you've done, and we're really excited for what you can do in the future. So great job all around i just want to let you know i let management know that you're doing such a great job on this project <laughs> so you gotta get more innuendo in it like you know john i i couldn't help but notice that silky smooth flow i'm not going there that's all you you do the sexy voice then <laughs> that silky smooth presentation really got my uh I don't even know what I would. I don't even know how I would sexually harass you. Right? Here. Yeah. Now, you, yeah, you you dug this hole and then dig yourself. I know, out. really. Hold on. Let me let me think about it. Let me let me. You know, what will be good is is uh, other Brian doing it as well. Oh, geez. Now we're getting weird. Have a deeper voice. But also, yeah. call back to last episode. Leave this in. This is a good bit of editing that doesn't make either of us look like a fool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, hold on, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta think of a way to continue harassing you. Hey, John, I really appreciated that silky smooth performance on that presentation. I know it was a hard project to work on and a tough nut to crack, but baby, you cracked it. Right there. Excellent job. Right there. Excellent job. Other Brian, thanks for thanks for joining us, but we're subbing you out. <laughs> All right, so now I think we we got that one done, so we can keep, we can keep moving on. Great now. job, Brian. I'm giving you words of affirmation for your for your <laughs> your your sexual innuendos. No, but words of affirmation. This is one that I personally focus on, and why I thought it'd be higher on my. I know this isn't a work oriented quiz, but I feel like it'd be higher up on my list considering I respond really well to words of affirmation myself. Again, folly of interpreting love languages. I know I appreciate it, so I assume others do too. So I tell people affirming words when I can, but maybe that's not what they respond to. And I think this is how we fell down the rabbit hole in the episode, The Cost of People Pleasing, because I am somebody who goes out of my way to let everybody know that I appreciate all the effort they're doing. And I, I could probably count... And now on two hands now in the last six months that I've said, as always, appreciate all the work you do <laughs> in an email or, or or in person. So words of affirmation are definitely very high on my list, hence why they were number one. So let's talk about acts of service. And for me, it could be a couple things. One would be, and this is the obvious one, right? Uh, if you can help somebody on their job, even if it's not really related to what you have to do on any given day, right? That's, that's a pretty clear one. But there are less obvious ways as well. Like visibly sticking up for somebody would be an example that comes to mind. Like anybody who's ever worked in a toxic job environment knows that sometimes meetings get, uh, I guess, heated to say the least. And one thing I hate, a pet peeve of mine, is when the quiet person in the room gets picked on or when a really a higher-up punches down to a subordinate. And this is a callback uh, specifically to the April 5th episode dealing with toxic people. Standing up for those people publicly, saying to that bully character in your office, hey, knock it off. That's, in my mind, an act of service, coming to somebody's defense. And I got to think... That makes them feel appreciated by some people, even when others are being jerks. And that's a really interesting spin to the acts of service uh, love language, and I really like that. 
because my initial gut reaction to acts of service just felt like it was in the workplace just felt kind of icky just because it's like, oh, well, let me do this other project for my boss or something. That's not how it would work. So the way that you described it is is a much more palatable way to actually implement showing your appreciation aside from just being a, a worker bee. Well, it's interesting the way you frame that because you're you're touching on a bit of a landmine, right? If your idea of acts of service is just taking on somebody else's workload, you're kind of just opening yourself up for a bit of exploitation and essentially begging for a bigger regular workload. Yeah, and that's, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's taking it out of the realm of appreciation at that point. You're probably better off just doing something else. Try to find some other alternative to really express that appreciation. Yeah, if there's any actionable advice from this episode, it's don't sign yourself up for more work if you don't need to. (laughs) Do you have anything for spending quality time? That's an interesting one for the workplace because, oh, yeah, no, I didn't really even consider that one. And I think it just goes to show that I kind of glossed right over it because that's a tough one for the workplace. What do you got? Well, let's look at people like Andy, our our sometimes co-host Andy. He's one of the people I know who had trouble adjusting to work from home. Uh, He still has trouble with it, although he's, I think, found at least a level of peace with it. Andy was a really big water cooler guy. He's the kind of guy who'd stop by your desk in the morning just to kind of shoot the breeze, and he liked having those big group lunches. But yeah, I'd say even just water cooler time can be meaningful if you're genuinely interested in seeing how someone's doing and what they're up to. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, now that you say that, not even those water cooler breaks, just taking some time during your one-on-one to really kind of just, you know, shoot the S with your boss a little bit. For me, I I like that personal component to to working with somebody. If I'm going to be working closely with somebody, I want to at least know a little bit about you know, who they are. And part of that is opening up a little bit and sharing some details about yourself. And that can be just taking an extra 15 minutes and going over. I know last week you said you were doing this. How'd that turn out? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Blah, blah, blah. So that's a different angle to it. You know? Yeah, you're right. The socializing aspect. Now I'll throw out one that's maybe a bit difficult to navigate or, you know, I'm going to say it for me, it's a bit difficult to navigate. Uh, Let's say you're traveling on business with a few coworkers You get to a new city, you're in a place you've never been before, you don't know really what's around, what's going on, what to do after hours. I think that first night is pretty much taken as a given that you're hanging out with a client, but if you're there for a longer time, like you're there for a week, what's the protocol on spending time with coworkers on day two or or three, so on and so forth? Because nobody knows anybody else in that town, and I think a lot of times you just kind of default to having dinner and hanging out after as well. So now it's not just work, it's personal time too. It's like forced quality time uh, with people you're technically only really with because the same people uh, happen to sign your paychecks. So how does that feel to you? Well, the dinner, I think you kind of have to go to the dinner just because, you know, pleasantries and, and, you know, common courtesy dictate that's what you do. But after that, I don't think there's really much obligation in some folks' eyes to really have to spend any time with you. It usually probably is like, hey, going for drinks or something afterwards. So for somebody who doesn't drink, that's probably something to where it's like, I think I'm just going to go back to the hotel and just, you know, maybe, you know, unwind a little bit. But to to your point, you, what you're describing is dedicating some time after that dinner to to spend time with people. Yes, there is kind of a force component to it, but... Also, I think people have every right to say, no, I don't want to spend time with you. And 
you maybe not be that blunt about it, but you know, you can go back to the, the hotel. Nobody's stopping you. So you say that and yeah, I totally get that. You're right about it, but I, I don't have to hang out with anybody after hours. I don't feel like I need to, I won't be fired if I don't do it. But at the same time, in my own history, I don't think I've ever personally left a company event while traveling because I do feel weird. I do feel like it's an expectation that I'm there. Is there a career, like career growth or uh, optics angle maybe. to it? That yeah, I don't know. You feel obligated to do it, but some folks maybe later in their career, they don't give a, you know, a, a hoot about that. <laughs> I, I can't claim to really know deep down in my psyche why I feel compelled. All I know is that I do. And what makes it hard to navigate for me and probably for, I think, a lot of people out there, uh, I'm an introvert. And that doesn't mean I hate people or social situations, but where an extrovert might go to one of these happy hours after a day of you know long traveling and, and working with a client and they feel recharged by that happy hour, as an introvert, you know, I've, I'm already exhausted from this day-long trip or week-long trip, and it just further drains me being in those situations too, not to be antisocial about it, but, you know, spreading that over a week long trip, that's a lot, but I still feel like I have to be there. Well, guess what? I think we're combining two different love languages now because what you're describing sounds like an act of service, right? Oh, that's a good point. You're doing it because you feel like you're, you're obligated to do it. Yeah. Or not obligated, but you know that it, it less, is that a love language so much as a, a, a forced language, <laughs> forced love, Ooh, forced love. That's not good. <laughs> oh, yikes arranged marriage oh geez oh god yeah <laughs> yeah it's right. going dark now uh maybe we should call the episode at this point now that we're getting nice and dark i got nothing else unless you do i think if we've hit all five that seems like a good spot to do it no. we're gonna end it with this this uh this final thought yeah. this is uh, jerry's final thought yeah. arranged marriage and forced love is bad yes very true on both counts uh, no but let's kind of end this on a high note with a good recap when it comes to love languages, or just more generally languages of appreciation, we'll say, remember that the things that work for you, the things that make you feel wanted, may not be the same uh, as the people in your life. So make a point to figure out what does work for them. Take the time to figure it out. You owe it to the people in your life who are important to you to express that gratitude. And I don't know if this is just a case of serendipity or maybe Rachel heard this recording, but right now I hear Love on Top by Beyonce playing. Nice. So, yeah, it's just full of love, full of love. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Balance. If you want to know about our love language, it's leaving us a five-star rating and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Special music this week is Bloom by Purple Cat. You can find a link in the show notes. Until next time.